Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Thursday Morning Envy Pro Call. Today is September 7th, and I'd like to welcome those of you that are here live as well as those of you listening to this via recording, which, of course, you can do by subscribing to Motor Vitality on whatever podcast application you happen to use or by visiting MotorVitality.com, where you can listen to years and years and years' worth of archives. Um, those are updated, by the way. Uh, I started getting... A lot. I know for the for like two or three weeks, I was way behind on those, and and I was getting emails, and I kept saying, yes, I'm, I, I've got to get to them, I've got to do them, but I have. They are completely updated up into uh, last week's. Where if you missed Brett Tangley talk about WQRF, uh, it was really a great conversation. So I encourage you to go back and and listen to that as well. But um, but. Uh, I, Definitely appreciate those of you that are here live, but I also really do love hearing from those of you that that um, that uh, miss it or aren't able to be here live. Um, although I will tell you, there are occasions where we have technical difficulties. For example, we had one last month. We had a, just a phenomenal conversation about some technology that's out there and wasn't able to record it. So. Only the people that were here live got to be part of that conversation. So I always welcome those of you that are here live. Uh, anyway, I'm going to start the call off the way I do pretty much every week, which is by asking, is there anything anybody learned this last week that you wish you had known before? Anything that happened that is worthy of sharing with other professionals across the country or anything we can help you with? Any questions we can answer? Hey, Kelly, it's Scott. Hey, Scott. Uh, I had a uh, local university reach out to us, and they are researching removing nitrates um, from well water. Mm -hmm. And we've come across it a few times, but I'm I'm very familiar with it. (laughs) And uh, in my research, um, I know you can do reverse osmosis to reduce it, um, but said there's also a special kind of resin that you can use, and I was just – Want to know if anybody has had any experience using that type of resin? Um, what's the pros, the cons? Um, that's really what I wanted to know. Anybody want to answer that before I tackle it? Hey, Kelly. Good morning. You got Paul out here, too. Hey, Paul. Um, hey, um, up to you. Do you want to grab it? I got some thoughts on it, but if you've got some firsthand experience, go with it. Well, there's there's two parts of it. First off, I want to talk about the reverse osmosis, and I love what you said about reduce because reverse osmosis will significantly reduce nitrates. The problem with reverse osmosis for nitrate use is TDS creep. So, if you know, particularly if a family has a too large of a of a storage tank and they're not using they're not emptying that storage tank out regularly or it sits there for a few days, nitrates will creep through that membrane and raise the level high again. So if somebody is using reverse osmosis for nitrate reduction, then they want to make sure that they're emptying that tank pretty regularly. And if they you know, leave for vacation or for a week or anything like that, when they come back, they want to make sure that they drain that tank out. because, And that's because the nitrates will seep through that membrane with TDS creep. As far as the resin goes, there are nitrate-specific resins out there. Um, so it's an anion resin. It's different than a water softener. The uh, nitrate system looks exactly like a water softener does. Uh, it, in fact, still uses a brine tank. In fact, when 
we put in nitrate systems. Um, we ran into that in, in the rural areas that uh, that I worked in when I was in sales. We often would use one brine tank with a T on the brine line, and that's because the um, the nitrate resin. So most companies out there use just a regular anion resin. Okay, so and the problem with that is. If you're using it, it will reduce nitrates, and it works really well, and most nitrate systems come with just a regular anion resin. But you have uh, um, anion selectivity. So the resin in a water softener is going to you know, remove the cations, the positively charged ions like calcium and magnesium. The resin in an anion system is going to remove the negatively charged ions <laughs> like sulfides and uh, chlorides and, um, and nitrates. Um, but the, most of the nitrate systems that are out there, because, and it's mostly because of the expense of them, it's significantly less expensive to put a regular um, anion resin in. Most of them do have anion selectivity, and if you have something like sulfides in the water, then you can get nitrate dumping, meaning that the resin, if you don't clean it often enough, if you don't regenerate it often enough, and it uses the chloride part of salt, right? So whereas water softener uses sodium, the anion resin is going to use chloride to regenerate. But the um, it, if you, you if you don't have a nitrate-specific anion resin, then you can get nitrate dumping if you don't clean it often enough. That means that if if given a choice, all things equal, and you have something like sulfides in the water, then sulfides will kick the nitrates off into the water. They'll displace those nitrates and take the place on the bead, on a resin bead. So a nitrate-specific resin uh, will have, it will choose nitrates over the other. Uh, it's designed specifically for nitrates and it's going to be significantly more expensive and most of the time not necessary um you can use a regular anion resin that will uh that will have um as long as you regenerate it more often paul what, do you have anything to add or, or yeah. disagree or agree uh, no yeah 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 no pretty much you covered it kelly it's um just you saying you get the regular anion and the nitrate selective the nitrate selective uh one of the drawbacks to it is that its overall capacity is much lower so, you know, you have to regenerate it more frequently. But, right, what Kelly's point is sulfate, if the sulfate ion is more strongly attracted to that anion resin than the nitrate, so it'll kick off that nitrate and you could have a real spike nitrate coming into the drinking water if it doesn't. For example, if something goes wrong with the system, the Venturi gets plugged and it doesn't suck salt water and you don't know, you know, the customer doesn't know it right away, the net result could be is that they're drinking highly concentrated nitrate levels because the sulfate kicks off everything in its way, basically, because that's the most strongly attracted ion. So, yeah, the nitrate selective, if I were to do it today with the liability, I'd probably lean towards the, the nitrate selective with the understanding it's more money and it and it's, uh, doesn't have as high capacity per cubic foot. I say I I would I think most like I said most manufacturers put when they put a nitrate system in they just use regular anion resin and they're not using the nitrate selective. They, they probably um, do. Yeah, but it's in, so you can just as long as you're regenerating more often, you know, and it, it is it is helpful to understand what else is in the water, you know, to have a thorough water analysis done. Scott, does that answer your question at all? It does, and then specifically sulfide. Um, that's not sulfur. That's something different, correct? Paul. 
that, this that is, is correct. Sulfate, SO4. Yes. Got okay. Sulfide, so, not okay. hydrogen sulfate, but sulfate. That form yes. doesn't, isn't, but it can be, depending upon the reactions, it can become odorous, you know, if you get sulfate-reducing bacteria, for example. So just to make sure, it's, it's important to, with that resin, it is important to know the sulfide uh, content as the nitrate content. Very it's much also, like it is very important to know yes. that with iron in the water, you need to know what the pH yeah. is. That's, uh, that's right. Okay, and that's, and, that and actually, you're gonna, it's not just sulfates or sulfides, or it's any negatively, with a regular anion resonance, any negatively charged ion. You need to know what is in there because chlorides can have an impact too. Okay. You know, so any negatively charged ion, and so you just need to have a thorough water analysis done. And if you're seeing after a night, you know, a regular nitrate system, you're still seeing nitrate bleed through, then I would up the salt dosage, you know, or or regenerate it more often. And Scott, depending upon where you get your your resin, you might talk directly to the resin manufacturer about their yeah. recommendations. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Thank y'all for your help. Yeah, thank you, Scott. I appreciate the question. That's those those questions always make me feel smart, except when Paul's on, and then I feel like I don't know anything because you know it's Paul. funny how you sing such a different tune at different times of the day, <laughs> Mr. Thompson. It is. It really depends on the time, Paul. You, you, you're gonna we're gonna talk to you in like a half hour when you're helping me teach the the yes. uh, certified installer course, <laughs> and that's when the real fun starts. So um, anybody yeah. else? Jen, I, I think you had something you wanted to announce. I do. I do. Yeah. I want to welcome Nicole. Um, she is our very, very newest, as in like less than 12 hours, um, MV Pro, which um, for those of you that don't know, our MV Pros are – um, sales professionals, territory managers that we have hired for clients. And we have a super amazing client that we just uh, brought on in um, northeast, or I'm sorry, northwestern Indiana. And um, they're starting up brand new water treatment company. They um, have been a plumbing company for many years, but they are uh, going off into the water treatment side. And um, I am so excited to bring her on board. Her excitement and her drive are just what drew me to her. And she's my um, flyby girl is what I call her And because, like, very last minute I'll call her up or I'll send her a text message, hey, can you meet? The very first time it was, hey, can you meet? She's like, yeah, give me 10 minutes. It was like 8 o'clock at night. So it just, um, all of our, we've had to do that quite a bit, so, which, you know, as all of us know, is huge um, to be able to have flexibility and and just go by the fly. And But anyway, so welcome, Nicole. Um, we are so super, super excited to have you. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Great. Awesome. So, Nicole, I'm, I'm, I, I uh, also concur with Jen, super excited to have you as part of the industry. And I, when we were interviewing Nicole, as we do everybody, we, we sort of tell them, uh, you know, like the matrix, the red pill, blue pill. You know, when you come into this industry, you can't unsee it. It's like, it's like the, it, it opens your eyes to stuff that you walked by every day without really noticing until you come in 
to this industry, and you're like, holy crap, there's this whole other world I didn't even know about. It's it's pretty amazing. But um, anyway, so welcome, Nicole. We will we will be hearing from Nicole and talking to Nicole more in the future um, just because of her background and history. But uh, anybody else have anything before we go, get to our topic today? So what I wanted to talk about today, we haven't talked about this in a really long time, um, and so I, I wanted to talk about the biggest mistakes that sales professionals make. And I thought I'd open it up for a second and, and ask you guys, what do you think, you know, when you think about sales professionals versus sales people out there, what are the mistakes that, that sales people make? What you know, as an industry or it, it, the, the profession itself sometimes gets a bad rap. People people look at us, you know, in sales as I've, ha- I've even had people say to me, wow, I'm too honest to do sales. I can never do sales, which is a little insulting. But I think I think the sales profession and many of the sales people out there, we do it to ourselves. I'm, I'm wondering, I'm wondering what are the biggest mistakes that give that impression to, to people that are not professionals in the industry? What are the biggest mistakes? Promising too much. What was that? I heard somebody say something. Stacey? Promising too much. You said what too much? Promising. Promising too much. Over-promising. Okay, right. So can you give me an example of that? Um, I've gone in on cases where a salesperson from another company has promised that it'll do this, 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 and this, and it's like not doing all those different things. You know, a lot of people think a softener is going to do is the end all to be all, and then I have to explain to them, no, it's designed to remove hardness and iron to a point and, you know, some other things. And Yeah, I, I agree going, with you, Stacey. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, there are just some people that think it's going to be, you know, bottled water quality water throughout their house, and it's like, no. And I had a couple yesterday asked me, well, why didn't they put the RO on the whole house? And I explained to her what the two systems did and that it would be possible, and then explained the cost behind a whole house RO. She's like, oh, now I see why. Yeah. So I think so. I think you know in promising too much I've even had people say something as little as you know or you know like oh you'll never have any problems with this we we you put this in you'll never it'll never break you'll never have any problems and I learned to tell people you know uh, I can't promise you that it, it will never break it, they're made by humans they're installed by humans. Uh, Sometimes when there's water, you know, dealing with appliances or anything made by people or, you know, you're dealing with water, things do happen. What I can promise is that we'll fix it if it does. You know, we'll address it. We will. We're not gonna, you're not going to have to chase us down to address the problem. You know, and I, I agree with you, over-promising, absolutely. What else? What, are, what other mistakes? What, are, what big mistakes do salespeople make out there? This is Elaine. I think sometimes people speak more than they listen. Uh-huh. They want to impress people with how much they know. <laughs> I think that that, it, it, that was mine. You stole mine. Um, that was the one if I had time. That is, I think, one of the biggest problems out there. 
people, when Jen and I are interviewing sales professionals, they'll often say, oh, I could do sales. What makes you good at sales? Well, I have the gift of gab. Yeah, but that's not what makes a salesperson impressive. It's the gift of listening, the gift of not gabbing. And this is sometimes pot calling the kettle black because I have a tendency to do that, I, you know, to to get in and, and to frankly talk too much. I, I really It's something that I've really worked on in my sales presentations over the years. And I, I do think it's you're absolutely right. So you're 100% right that um, not listening more than you're talking is a huge, uh, huge mistake salespeople make. Good one. What else? Who else has has a good one? I think this goes along with listening. Is um, some salespeople do not ask enough or the correct questions, and even when they ask the questions, they already know what they're going to say. Um, they don't listen and actually answer the customer's questions. Yeah, I think that's huge, too. In fact, um, I heard Jen say this in one of the interviews yesterday uh, that, um, you know, and I've said this for years, he or she who asks the most questions makes the sale. And um, so if the customer is asking more questions than the sales professional, then, and I think this is the case with any profession, we have to diagnose, we have to ask questions, we have to find out the answers. And I, I think you're absolutely right, Scott, that if there's a, you know, most salespeople make far more statements than they do ask questions. And if there's a way to to put your statement in the form of a question, I think that that's, it's critical that it, that you do so. And I think the second part of what you're saying there is, is listening to that answer really, you know, so, so one of the questions we like to ask, you know, is what is a higher priority to you, the water that goes on you or the water that goes in you? And, and that the answer to that should really guide the direction your presentation goes. But if you don't really listen to that and then you, you know, they give an answer, maybe they say, oh, it's the water that goes in me. That's the most important. And then you start your presentation off spending 75% of it focusing on the water that goes on you. Um, you didn't really listen to what the customer was telling you. So I think you're, you're absolutely right. It's not only about asking the questions, memorizing what questions to ask. It's about really internalizing what those answers are and, um, and, and basing your recommendations around the answers, the diagnosis to those questions. So, yeah, that's a really good one. Anybody else have any? What else? I'm Missy Lane again. I think maybe this could be California-based. I'm not sure. But we're a very multicultural um, state. And when I get the demo reports from my reps, I can always tell that they prejudged and decided that the person could not afford or did not understand them based on these people always, they never, um, it, it, they always want to, you know, lower the price. They, they've got a brother that got it cheaper. They couldn't understand me. Their language, was, their English was poor. So, a lot of times, you know, I, I, I see it where my reps prejudge and decide that the person's not able to afford the system. Prejudging. That is a huge one. And I, we have to tell people a lot. They have to explain to them that it's not their story, right? So salespeople that go in there, when you're, when you're talking to them, you know, you've, if, just because you wouldn't buy it or wouldn't afford it or couldn't afford it, 
doesn't mean they can't. And, you know, in my book, I talk about the 28-year-old grandfather um, that, I, I mean, I absolutely prejudged. I did not think they were going to, you know, the, the, the product that, that we sold was one of the most expensive, one of the most expensive products on the market. I mean, we, we were way more expensive than most of our competitors. And, and I, I walked into this, you know, mobile home with the door kicked in, held closed with a coat hanger. And, and um, you know, yeah, the, the 28-year-old guy and his 14-year-old very pregnant daughter right there and, and uh, I just like, there's no way, no way I thought they were going to buy the, the unit that we offered. And yet the guy came out with cash, probably making his meth dealer angry, <laughs> but, but he, paid, he paid, paid for that expensive one with cash. And I, you know, the whole time I'm thinking, fix your door, you're holding, your door is held closed with a coat hanger, but it's not my story, right? It has, it's not. It's not about me. It's about what their needs are, not what I need. And the customer, frankly, should rarely ever know what I would do or what, you know, what I would want or what I would do. I mean, they do ask opinion. What would you do? And, and if they ask that, I'm going to answer honestly. Um, but I'm going to answer it based on what I would do if I were in their situation, not what I would do necessarily personally for for my home. So you're and and Elaine, I know what you're talking about. I ran into that on Long Island because you have um, pockets of cultures, and it is hard not to allow the stereotypes to impact your sales. Um, and that's uh, in, but it is it is definitely something we have to focus on is making sure that it's not our story; it's theirs. We have to treat every individual as an individual. So it's a really good one. Yeah, absolutely. What else? Not following up. Not following up, yeah. Yep, not following up, absolutely. So, so, and we talked about this, I think, two weeks ago, you know, is that, I mean, in our industry, and and I think a lot of times in in in-home sales, there's that push for that that one-night close. Well, that's not the way people buy as much as they used to, and we don't have to rehash what we talked about a couple weeks ago, but but some people, you know, they want to think about it. They want to consider it, and... And it, it does make a difference when you follow up and, and ask for the opportunity to help them. You know, you ask, ask for the opportunity. So, yeah, absolutely, not following up, not doing what you say you're going to do. Definitely. Very good. What else? So I have a list here of a couple that, um, you know, I just pulled it up, and you guys knocked a bunch of them off, and certainly those are the ones that I, I would 100% agree. Let me just kind of go through this list uh, real quick in the last couple, last five minutes that we have here. So um, the, uh, you know, only really – Kelly, Kelly, uh, I'm yeah, so sorry. Ahead, I, was, yep, I couldn't figure out how to unmute my phone. <laughs> I'm I, okay, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so I think that another big mistake, um, humor is a mistake sometimes um, where we have to kind of watch what we say as far as humor. And, um, oh, darn, I had another one. I couldn't. I was trying to do my <laughs> um But uh, I don't know. I'll interrupt you if it, I, it comes back to me. <laughs> now that I know how yeah, to what, my phone. Are you, are you referring to me with the humor, Jen? I don't know what you mean by that. 
Uh, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> That's a, yeah, not recognizing when when somebody uh, doesn't think you're funny. Yeah. <laughs> I have another one. This is uh, Elaine again. Go ahead. Go ahead, Elaine. <laughs> oh, I think not just thinking that you have to learn it once and not being open to continual training, which is pretty much mandatory. That's a good one. That's a Elaine, really that was, good one. It was actually it. Not educating yourself. And, you know, like this whole conversation that Scott from Alabama brought on, he's not just Scott, he's Scott from Alabama. But the whole conversation, I mean, I learned something new today. I kind of knew that background, but, you know, then talking about watch out for, you know, what else you have to watch out for and stuff, um, just continually educating yourself, not just the one time when somebody teaches you how to do it. Yeah, that's a really that's a really important. And when we talk about that, you know, so much about you know what makes the difference between a professional and a uh, you know a salesperson and a sales professional, and that really is you know that continued education. The the I mean, football season starts this week, and I guarantee the teams that are playing this week and every week have spent way more time studying film and, and, you know, really studying that first game and who in the plays and knowing what they're going to do. They're only going to play for three hours, but they've spent, you know, 40 or 50 hours learning about the, the game and studying the game and practicing. And that's what we should be doing as sales professionals as well is really, and those of you that are on this call, you know, that's part of, part of what you're doing. I mean, this is only one of a, of a thousand resources there to, to really stoke the, the claims of education. So yeah, that's a huge one. Continued education. Yeah, like one I mean, more. yeah go ahead, oh, Jen. So one more is, um, and I am totally guilty of this, not doing the full demonstration. I think that mm-hmm. is probably, you know, because those demonstrations, the SOAP demonstration, the T demonstration, those educate the customers on their benefits. And Sometimes it's really easy to, to cut corners and not do it. And I think that that can be a huge mistake sometimes. It kind of goes back to it being their story, not your story. You know, the reason salespeople stop doing those demonstrations because they've seen them a bunch of times and they've lost the impact on the salesperson. And they forget that the homeowner hasn't seen them. They, they don't know the stuff that the salesperson knows. So uh, and that goes hand in hand with using industry lingo, right? So calling it an RO or talking about TDS as opposed to a reverse osmosis or total dissolved solids because the homeowners don't know those terms. You know, they don't know, uh, you know, that, that all goes back to educating them the way uh, Nicole's coming in brand new, doesn't know that, you know, we'll have to explain to Nicole as we're teaching her and training her. And Nicole, if you're still listening, you know, at first, you're going to, I mean, remember the questions that you ask, you know, when you're going through the training, what is RO? What is TDS? What is, you know, um, what's the difference between milligrams per liter and parts per million? Well, they're the same thing, you know, but the homeowners don't, they don't know that just like you don't know right now. So we have to remember that it's, that it's their story, not our story. And that has to do with the demonstrations as well. Um, the one that I was going to highlight um, in addition to some of the ones that you guys said is focusing on price as opposed to value. 
Uh, it's so easy. Most salespeople, they, it's all about price, focusing on selling that price. Elaine, you kind of alluded to this a little bit in, in the prejudging part. Um, but, you know, uh, focusing on, you know, discounting it or giving the lowest price or, or assuming that that customer is going to be uh, only going to buy the low-priced item. But that's not the case. And if, if it were the case that people only bought on price, there would not be any Mercedes dealerships or, or you know, Bosch appliances or, or tools. There, um, you know, there would not be high-end – there wouldn't be a Macy's anywhere, you know. Um, so not everybody buys on price. Some people do. You know, that's why there are Harbor Freights, you know, or, or Walmarts. But um, but it's not everybody, and we have to determine what type of you know what what that customer is. And if we focus more on the value and offering more than we're asking for and giving more than we're taking, then price should rarely ever be an issue. Um, not with with the high end or the high quality units that we're uh, that we're presenting. Any final thoughts here in the last sixty seconds? Guys, I really appreciate everybody hopping on. I look forward to talking to everybody next week. We do have a couple guest speakers coming up in the next uh, few weeks that uh, are going to be pretty exciting. i got to nail those down and get the dates. But, but I always appreciate these conversations. I love it when everybody participates in them. And uh, look forward to doing so next week. So everybody be safe. We will talk to you next week, if not before. So thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you.